This podcast proudly brought to you by Moss Shot Shells. Old school is back in season. Experience superior shells when you go with Boss Shot Shells. Their premium, non-toxic bismuth shells knock birds down so hard that the old guys might just think they're shooting lead again. Make sure you check out Boss Shot Shells for your next purchase of shotgun shells. Hey guys, I'm Jordan Fromer. I believe in hunting hard, hunting smart, and having a fun time while doing it. And shooting limits? Well, that's just the icing on the cake. I revel in the journey just as much as the successes it brings. From ducks to dogs to decoys and guns, we'll be talking tactics, strategies, and what it takes to get the job done. Load up and take aim. This is the Duck Gun Podcast. What's going on, folks? I'm Jordan from Duck Gun Chronicles. Got my co-host, Elliot Graybeard from Freelance Duck Hunting alongside me, per usual. How you doing tonight, Elliot? It has been quite the day in a lot of ways. It's been a crazy, <laughs> crazy day, for sure. Emotional ups and downs. It's just been a crazy day. I don't even know how much of it I'm even talk about, but it's been, I don't know what you you push me enough i might tell that horrible horrific story that make myself look like an absolute moron <laughs> well i mean i think if you start off like that there's no <laughs> nothing else to do besides go ahead and uh you know tell the story <laughs> i'm gonna make myself look like such a fool if i do it's all right i, I do it all the time you really want to tell that story I think I think uh, it can be a, a cautionary tale. <laughs> okay, okay. I was I was talking to my son um, after this event happened, and the thing about life is like there are so many moments in, in a lifetime, right? And all it takes is one split second to make a stupid decision that can alter your life. You know, I mean, you can die on a stupid split decision, right? So this story certainly isn't isn't about anyone dying, but it's so difficult to stay in a frame of mind in your life where you don't ever make completely stupid decisions. It, and we try. And my mom always tells me, you know, if you know you get that little voice, and that little voice says, "No, don't do that," you know, or you better be careful. When you get that voice, you better listen to it the first time. Because if you don't, inevitably, there's going to be moments in your life where you're like, oh, I knew I shouldn't have done that. You've heard you know, people say that. I knew I shouldn't have done that, right? And when people make that statement, it's because they heard that little voice. They heard the little voice saying, don't do it, and you do it anyway, and then you get the, get the uh, repercussions. And mm-hmm. so today, um, so it looks like we're going to be moving from one place to another, um, to a new house, which is a total – it's just a – it's been such a fast, uh, fast action that all this is coming about so fast. So anyway, I was I was loading a bunch of sticks into the back of my truck because we're getting ready to list our house, and I was taking it to my in-laws to dump all these branches and sticks because they've got a huge place with plenty of land, a place to dump sticks and stuff. So my wife Beth and I headed over there to do that, and at the and I'm so busy today getting the house ready to list. So I'm like, man, when I come back, I'm going to have to take uh, my little puppy Georgie out and all that. And and if you guys haven't been caught up with with what's going on in my in my life with my puppy, um, I've been we've talked a lot about it on the podcast here. And I made lots of videos about it on freelance duck hunting. But she is a black lab puppy from um, Flatlander uh, Kennels and just phenomenal bloodline, just the best by far the best bloodline dog 
that I've ever had. And I'm just so in love with her. She's just an amazing little puppy. And so at the last thing, I'm like, well, let's just bring bring Georgie with us. We'll go over there and I'll unload all the sticks. And Beth can play with Georgie out at my in-laws yard and everything. And that way, when I get back, I don't have to take her out and exercise her and all that. So we get there and um, I, I say, Beth, go over here in the yard and, and play with the dog. And over there is a little like a toddler um, swing set basically like a little play thing that um, my father-in-law built and there's a little a little slide on now this is a slide for toddlers you know like two to five year olds basically two to six year olds it's not it's not a big slide so it's a small short slide and I don't know you know you've seen everyone's probably seen pictures of dogs going down slides where dogs are trained to go down slides and I'm sure you guys have seen pictures of that on YouTube and whatnot and so it just went through my mind it's like oh let's see if Georgia will go down the slide and, um, you know, I mean, this is a puppy whose bones and joints are not fully grown and they're susceptible, they're susceptible to injury. If you've got to be careful with them, you know, we went, uh, Chris Jobman at Flatliner Kennel was like, you know, be careful with them on, on tiles and slick surfaces because you know, their little joints and their shoulders and stuff are just a little bit susceptible at this age. And for some reason in my mind, I thought that would be a great idea to put little Georgie on the slide and see if she'd go down it. So I went and, um, I unloaded all of the sticks and logs and everything. And I came out and I'm like, and Beth's like, Oh, she went down the slide. It was so cute. And, um, and I got a video. The bad, the crazy thing about this is not one time that I think this is a bad idea. This is a little <laughs> tiny 10 week old puppy. You were told to be careful. This puppy on slick surfaces and you're racing this thing down a slide. I mean, never did it even go through my mind, which I can't even comprehend why I didn't even have the don't do that voice. Um, I think the reason I didn't is because this dog is very daring and very bold. And I'm proud of that because I know she's going to be phenomenal, like entering the water and she's like up for the challenge, not fair, not afraid. Right. And which is why, you know, a 10 week puppy just being willing to on their own, going down a slide is, you know, there's just no fear there. And so she showed me the video and I'm just thinking in my heart, like, I'm so proud of how brave this little dog is. She's already swimming and everything like, Oh, let's do it again. Let's put her on the slide again. And again, not one time did I think don't do it. No, you better not do that. You got, you got this prize little, um, high priced, super stud bloodline dog. Don't race it down a slide. So I put her on the slide again and she just went right down it. She went so fast down that slide. She handed landed like feet front feet first and like flipped and rolled over. I'm like, Oh, she gets up and she's got like a massive limp and all immediately. It's just like, I realized the idiot that I am that I would take this little puppy who means so much to me and my channel and, and do something so completely stupid as to race this dog, let this dog go down a slide. And so I'm just freaking out and we're getting ready to get in my truck to go back to the home. I put her on the concrete, see if she can walk. She can't put even any weight on her, on her one. I think her left leg. In fact, she tried to put weight on it and she screamed out in pain. And, um, so I'm like flipping out, like, I don't know if her leg's broken or what, I mean, I'm just absolutely freaking out. And so I call the vet and everything and it's like 1130 and the vet, um, the vet is like, well, we can't really get you in, but if you want to come in or, you know, you don't have an appointment, but come in at one and we'll see what we can do. And, and so I'm like, well, I'm just going to go home and then wait and go in there at one. We got home. I called my mom. She's like, praying like crazy you know my mom were spiritual people and and um i am just like 
beyond despair. Not just that I think her leg might be broken, but that I was just that stupid. That how in the world could I be so dumb to do something like that? We got home and I got her out and she got on the concrete and she had a little bit of a limp, but not really much. And over the next hour, by about an hour passed by and her limp was completely gone. She's running around. She's acting like nothing even happened. So, and, and I honestly didn't know if he was even tell the story. Cause it, I mean, I'm sure that plenty <laughs> of people are listening to this, like what an idiot. Cause yeah, that I was a complete idiot. So it was an emotional roller coaster Cause I really, really thought when she tried to walk on that leg and was screaming in pain, I thought I may have ruined this, this hunting dog forever. I mean, if she has a broken leg as a puppy or, you know, I don't know, but Luckily, she came out of it. I saw my wife. She's like, okay, we just have to remember this is a baby. Treat it like a baby. You wouldn't put a baby on a slide and just let it fly down without being at the bottom to catch it, you know? <laughs> I don't know. So I told it. There I am. I'm an idiot. <laughs> Man, well, you, if you keep calling yourself an idiot, it's no no fun for me. I don't get to say it. So <laughs> what? I mean, what else can I say? <laughs> you know what I mean? Complete lapse of judgment, <laughs> not protecting the, you know, a huge future of my channel, the partnership I have with Flatlander Kennels. I mean, what do I got to go on? Like, uh, Chris, um, yeah, you know, that dog I got from you ran it down a slide and broke its leg. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> <you> know, <laughs> I mean, yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. Well, I'm glad it, uh, ended out well for you. Yeah. So. <laughs> It's uh, I yeah, I can understand being scared about that for sure. I was slipping out. You're the only person I texted. That says a lot for our relationship. Because it's <laughs> like I called my mom. I texted Jordan. <laughs> what did my text say? Was I'm like, <laughs> I was berating myself via text. I'm pretty sure. I care. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> oh. But no, I, I was uh, the voice of reason. I'm like, calm down. Hopefully, <laughs> let's just hope for the best. I think is what I said. <laughs> when I saw her try to put weight on it and just scream in pain, I'm like. This is it. I just completely in one moment. No, I can understand that. Yeah. Being super freaked out. Yeah. So I'm calling yeah. it a miracle. I don't know. I'm calling it a miracle. I got in the truck. She was screaming out in pain when she stepped on it. My mom prays for it. We get home. She's health. She's walking. So, you know, I try to give, I try to give praise to God at everything I do. And I'm certainly, you know, miracle or not, I'm praising God on that one because <laughs> I just, if she had been done for and had this like injury like that, that affect the rest of her life, I never would have forgiven myself. Yeah. That would have been a tough pill to swallow. <laughs> yeah. So lesson is, I, I would like to say the lesson is if you hear that little voice that says, don't do it, then don't do it. But this idiot sitting here <laughs> didn't even hear the voice. <laughs> so yeah, there's that. <laughs> Yeah, and then the other thing we tried to do today, um, uh, working, we tried to get our next guest on and had some technical difficulties. So I know we put a, a questionnaire, or not really a questionnaire, um, just questions filled out um, in the Fellowship of the Duck Gun. Well, those questions will be asked at the next the next podcast after this one with our guest. So just stay tuned for that. We got a we got a different topic for tonight now, and we're gonna do that next week, right? Yeah, yep, yep. We'll have them back on next week. So if we go live, it'll be Tuesday, right? Correct. Yep. A little different that week. Normally Wednesday, this week, or next week, it'll be Tuesday. Yeah. And guys, don't do not forget to join us at Fellowship of the Duck Guns. Um, you know, that group is blowing up. We are getting so many 
new group members. There's conversations. So many that I, I honestly, I, you're doing a better job of keeping up than I am with it. But there's so many conversations I'm having problems keeping up with it. So make sure you come over to Facebook and join us on Fellowship of the Duck Guns. Jordan at Duck Gun Chronicles on YouTube and uh, Instagram and myself at Freelance Duck Hunting on YouTube and Instagram as well. <clears throat> awesome. Yeah, it's, it's really cool to see everybody um, from the podcast jumping in over there. And um, like you said, just different waterfowl topic all the time. So it's pretty cool. Yeah, it's way more. It's way like my Freelance Duck Hunting um YouTube page. It's not a group, but I mean, it's a page. And let's say Fellowship of the Duck Guns has way more activity. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, another thing, um, we are still doing the giveaways for the reviews, guys. So make sure um, we still have barrel decals to get you. Um, if you do review, I know some of you guys have done reviews too, but make sure you do a review. And when you do it, send me the screenshot and tell me if you want a white one or black one. That way, and your address that way i know where to send it because if you just leave a review i don't I, there's no way i can tell on apple who it is so go ahead if you've done one in the past make sure to get that information to me as well and you can email me at duckgunchronicles at gmail.com are you putting on a black are you going to put one on your on your guns what is your thought with your, yeah your barrel i'm going to look and see which one looks best my gun's actually uh at um browning right now um for some work getting the cycling issue taken care of and I'm still waiting on it though so I actually sent it there in May and I called them earlier this week because they told me a beginning of July and they said they're still waiting on parts so I'm like is it going to be done by you know like September 1st when you hunt and they said we can't make any promises that's your 12 gauge <laughs> yep yeah isn't it crazy that the 20 gauge that your grandpa had is I don't know you think they just built them better back then because you haven't hardly had any problems with that yeah no, I've never had a problem with it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what it is about old guns. They've got some nostalgia to them for sure, but I think maybe they just built them better. I don't know. I know that, like, um, it's just a bad streak because Aiden's Stoger M3000, he's had cycling issues. Uh, my Beretta A300, I've had cycling issues. And, and, like, your A5, you've had cycling issues. And I don't, I'm not sure about the A5, but I know – the Stoger and the Breda. I mean, you look online and everyone is just raving. No problems with it. No problems with it. No problems with it. Just amazing gun. And I've had quite a few problems with, with mine. And Aiden has had with the Stoger as well. And know. You know, it's crazy. I, feel, I don't know. I have no idea. <laughs> I feel like I clean it enough. So, I don't know. Mine's definitely dependent on cleaning. If I clean mine every single hunt. And last year I got to the point where it wasn't every single hunt. But if I clean every single hunt, it won't have any issues. So I'm like, what is it that like a little film of dirt is enough to help it to make it not cycle the second shell? Really? Is that <laughs> sensitive? Yeah. Maybe dirty powder or anything. Maybe maybe it is. Maybe maybe once we switch to uh, Boss, I won't have those issues. Yeah. I don't know. Time will tell. You got to clean it one time before that. Right oh, before got, yeah. Oh, I've got to clean it for sure because um, we went out. My dad and a friend of mine named Seth, who has a um, yellow lab, we went out and did a training session where we were, and I was actually like, we tried to make it as live as possible with actually really shooting shells, and and I was having cycling issues with it um, on on that hot day. So I'm definitely gonna have to fully clean it before season. Awesome. All right. Well, anything else we want to talk about before we jump into the main topic? Yeah, MVM podcast, man. I listened to you were on there. And oh, yeah, yeah. I listened to that and you know what actually went through my went through my mind? 
And guys, I'm all about just being real. If I have thoughts that are derogatory to myself, then I'm just going to share them with you guys. That's just how it is. Um, I was like, man, Jordan's doing awesome. I need to shut my damn mouth so much on our podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Those were my thoughts, but you killed it over there. That was a great podcast. Oh, well, I appreciate it. It was, uh, it was a lot of fun. Uh, Definitely a lot different being not in the driver's seat. So, um, and honestly, that's kind of the rule we play when we do our podcast together. I I, kind of, I'm the structure and you're the color commentator. So yeah. it's, it's just how it works. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so somebody's got to do one of each rule. So I think that's why, you know, the co the co-host and host version of podcast is the best format. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I totally agree. And, and I, I recorded one with mid Valley mercenaries MVM podcast as well. And I'm not sure when it's coming out, but we're doing a lot of collab with them. So if you have not listened to, to Titus and what he's got going on over there, make sure that you put that on your podcast playlist Yep, MVM show um, and Duck Gun podcast. We are brother podcast to each other at this point, so um, definitely, and we definitely have some other big plans uh, with him as well. So, and I actually even have a, another. <laughs> I might have another hunt with him as well. Really works. I'm. I mean, hopefully, maybe you never know. <laughs> oh, that'd be awesome! I just talked to him today, and to our big collab, which we're going to be releasing this super secret collab stuff that a bunch of us have been working on. It's in, you know, the background, but he's bringing Rocky on that. I didn't realize. <laughs> really? I didn't know that either. Yeah. That's awesome. How much does it cost to fly a dog? I don't know. It's got to cost something. They're not going to let you do that for yeah. free. No, that's awesome. I didn't know that. So yeah, he's probably using the gunner kennel. That's he was cool. texting me about, you know, will it be too many dogs? And I'm like, you know, I mean, we got a bunch of dogs there, but... It'll be no, fun. I can't wait. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, so we're going to have three and a half dogs. I'm counting Izzy as a half dog right now because I don't know if she's going to be able to go or not. <laughs> awesome. So, yeah, That'll be, be some cool. good stuff. Yeah, Looking forward so. to hearing yours as well. So, Cool. All right. Well, um, I think right now is a good point. Let's go ahead and hear a word from our partners, and then we'll jump into the main topic of the podcast. Gunner's American-made dog boxes come with a lifetime warranty and the market's only CPS crash test certification. The guys over at Gunner Kennels have conducted major stress tests to show just how strong they really are, like applying 4,000 pounds of force, dropping a 630-pound hammer from 8 feet, and shooting it with a 12-gauge shotgun at 7 paces with no bullet penetration. Engineered for your dog and built for your peace of mind. Gunner doesn't cut any corners. Nothing comes close to the G1. Go to GunnerKennels.com and use code DuckGun10 at checkout for 10% off your next purchase. All right, and we're back. (laughs) Um, So the topic for tonight, we actually got a request for a topic and um, really liked it. So we're going to go ahead and cover that one for tonight. So... I'll go ahead and read the topic question that was sent to us. Um, Hey, Jordan, this is Cody. Um, Hope all is well. Also, I am still enjoying the content y'all have been putting out. I have another topic idea for you. Um, So with me and a bunch of hunters new new to the waterfowl scene, what would be some good tips and tricks to improve on shooting accuracy during the season and off season? Unfortunately for me, my situation is a little more difficult than most people. I am right handed 
and my dominant eye is my left eye. I've tried the swap shoulder trick and I just can't shoot. I just can't shoot on the opposite side. I know it takes a good bit of practice. I'll be buying a good bit of clays before season. About a week ago, I sold my Benelli and picked up a new Franchi. Um, so I'll be breaking that in for the season. If you have any suggestions to spruce up my shooting, I'd be glad to take any inf- information you can throw at me. Once again, thanks for the awesome content and podcast. God bless. All right, so we're going to go ahead and cover that. Um, shooting tips from Greybeard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you, I can give some tips because I've had some years where I have sucked. So, you know, I've, I've, if someone's just a natural good shot, I mean, asking them shooting tips to me, I would rather get shooting tips from someone who naturally struggles a little bit because if there are people who are natural shooters and getting tips from natural shooters, I mean, if you're a natural, you're a natural. I'd rather get tips from someone. I, I've struggled with shooting throughout my life. My father struggled with shooting throughout his life. I've struggled with shooting throughout my life. Um, and, and, and just like him, I am le- I'm left eye dominant as well. So, yeah, um, that's something we share. Yeah. Oh, are you left eye dominant also? Yep. I did not realize that. Well, how, how, how do you deal with that? What do you do? So that's interesting. I wonder if uh, we've actually had a discussion about this in the Fellowship of the Duck Gun. So I was wondering if this is from the same individual or not. Um, and I couldn't remember. So um, the way that I deal with it is I keep both eyes open until I pick out a target or until um, I kind of get close to where I need to be, then I close my eye and finish the swing through and, and shoot the bird. And then I'll open my eyes in between shots and pick out another bird, get on it, close one eye, <laughs> and shoot. So that's hmm. that's how I deal with it, which is a little slower, I think, but um, for me it helps. I never realized that in shotgunning that you were supposed to keep two eyes open. I had no idea. Um, no one ever taught me that. And so I always shot with my left eye closed. And well, if you're left eye dominant, you can't. You can't keep it open. You, well, yes, yeah, but I didn't realize I was left eye dominant. I always just, like like shooting a rifle, you close your left eye, right? If you're a right-hander. Yep. Mm-hmm. So I had always just closed that eye, and I don't know why whether I did it because I'm left eye dominant, not knowing that. I suspect that I just did it um, because, you know, I, I grew up on a BB gun. I got a BB gun at a very young age. My dad in the basement... Um, we had this huge rec room and he put up a sheet, which this is a great tip. If you have kids in a great room, if you put up a sheet um, at the at the back of the room, you can let your kids shoot in a room. Um, those sheets will take those little BBs, no problem. So my dad set up a sheet for me and a bunch of targets and stuff. And I mean, I can't tell you how much time I spent down there shooting uh, my little BB gun. And I got really, really good with a BB gun and later a pellet gun. But I mean, with those guns, you always close you know, one eye, right? Um, so when I started shooting, shoot, shooting a shotgun, I just did the same thing. No one ever said, keep both eyes open. Um, so, so tip one, Cody is get a BB gun and a sheet of paper. <laughs> <laughs> That's not it. Right. No, like a sheet, like a, like a blanket sheet. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 Okay. Gotcha. And to, to catch the bullets, but yeah, that's tip number one. But when, so when I started <laughs> shooting a shotgun, I think I just naturally closed my left eye. Um, and then later on somewhere along the road, I was told that shotgunners are supposed to keep two eyes open and I had no idea. Um, so around that same time, I don't remember the, the, whether I tried that in shotgunning, I probably heard about that. And then I tried to look down a shotgun and it just 
you know, being left eye dominant. And, and for those of you that don't know, let me give a little description here. Here's left eye dominant versus right, right eye dominant. We should probably back up. If you are left eye dominant, then when you go to shoot a shotgun with both eyes open, if you're right-handed, you've got the gun on your right shoulder and, but your left eye is the focal point that is lining up the bead. Your right eye, which is the one that is centered straight down the sight, is not the eye that's focusing on the actual bead. So you're on your left eye, you, will, you won't see straight down the sight. You'll actually, your main point of focus, you'll see a, a, the side of the shotgun and it's at an angle. So if you try to, you, to, if your left eye is the dominant one focusing on that bead and you line it up on a bird, it's going to be way off. To where if your right eye dominant, you have both eyes open, but your right one is that is the one that's actually focusing on a point out in distance um, out of the two eyes. So you will see straight down your sight. So when you line up the bead on the bird or in front of the bird, it'll be right on what it should be, um, if that makes sense. So a right-hander right left eye dominant, um, they are never going to kill a bird unless they're just completely lucky because their left eye, which is set over a couple inches to the left, is the one focusing. Um, so... When I, I probably, I heard you open two eyes and I messed around with it on a shotgun and it was obviously off um, when I did that. So yep. then I researched it and you can do a test. And the test is this. You look at something in the room, you point at it and with your finger. So something clear across the room, you point with, with your hand, f line it up with your finger and then close your left eye, close your right eye. One of those two eyes will be pointing right at that particular object. So for me, I just yeah. did it right now, and again, my left eye is the one lined up on it. So yeah, we'd we'd actually do a similar test, not exactly like that, but you take your hands, you stick them out, and you make a triangle with your hands like this, mm -hmm. and then you look at an object far away, a small object, and um, so a smaller triangle than that, Elliot. Like a really barely, you can barely right, see. Let me go it back. Like I'm not even watching the YouTube feed, so you're saying like this. I'm not even watching. <laughs> yeah, no, no. yeah. So a very okay. small triangle like this. Show, then, show, show me the triangle again. Show me the triangle. Again. Yeah. Like oh, this. okay, okay, okay. I see. It. And then you just bring it slowly back to your eye. And those of you just whatever, listening, it's just like a very small triangle in between your two palms. Yep. And whatever eye it comes back to when you bring it back is your dominant eye. Okay, let me do it again. Yeah. So Elliot's giving a shot here. <laughs> yeah, it's left. It's left for me. Left for me for sure. Yeah. So that's how I learned in um, in hunter safety course or whatever. I guess they didn't teach me that in hunter safety. That I was day. I'm a massive daydreamer. You put someone up in front of me in a classroom <laughs> and you have them talk. I got maybe thirty seconds. That if mm. now, if it's really interesting content, I got longer than that. But maybe I just didn't hear it. So yeah, good good point. So everyone right now, if you're listening, do that little do that little test if you've never done it to see. So with me, I found out you're supposed to open open up both uh, two eyes. And then I did the test, realized I was left eye dominant. And that's when I was like, well, screw that. I'm just going to continue to close my left eye. And I shoot with um, a left eye close. And to me, that is so much, that is such a much better answer than trying to switch shoulders. I mean, I would never, ever try to switch shoulders. But what one option that you can do, and I read online, is you can try to retrain yourself with lots of shotgun practice so you want to shoulder your gun as much as you can keep both eyes open and you if you're focused on it you can once you once you look down a shotgun you can tell which eye you're using because one sees a little bit of the side of the shotgun and the other doesn't so you can through through re repetitive practice retrain at least while you're shotgunning um 
how, how to how to use your right eye because the thought is and correct me if I'm wrong because I'm not quite positive on this it's better to shoot with both eyes open because you just have more peripheral vision yeah I think that's part of it and also when you aim with your gun um, a lot of times it's harder to swing through than um, than with one eye so I think that's part of it too okay, <clears throat> okay. So, I don't, and I've never even asked my dad if he's, I think he's right-eye dominant. I think that he is. But with me, um, I've had years where I've really, really struggled with my shooting when I've gotten in really bad shooting funks. Um, in fact, FDH season one and season two, um, I keep track of my shooting percentage. I know a lot of people don't do that because it takes a little bit of a diligence, but I keep track of my shooting percentage. And my lifetime shooting percentage is about 46 or 47 in that range. Um, but I had a couple of years in a row, FDH season one and two, where I shot about 36, 37, like 10 full points um, below my 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 lifetime shooting average. So and, that was uh, back when you were a skybuster, though. So mm, no, though I was missing easy. <laughs> I wish I was missing easy shots. <laughs> I wasn't missing hard skybuster shots. I, if you are a skybuster, I promise you, you're shooting high twenties, low thirties. Promise, <laughs> promise. <laughs> You just are. What if they're like, <laughs> uh, all right. So, <laughs> um, we got the dominant eye covered now. So let's go ahead and talk about some tips. Um, so I know one for me. Um, this is this. We'll just go back and forth in this, Elliot. Okay. But let's just start with preseason. So preseason, the obvious thing you can do is go out and shoot clay pigeons. Um, which he said in his message to us that he was going to. But when you shoot your clay pigeons, don't just start with your gun already shouldered in your face on the stock um, and aiming where the clay pigeon is going to be thrown. Um, start with it from hip. And mm-hmm. uh, you say pull and wait for it and then shoulder the gun because that's going to be your real-life scenario. Um, and I've had struggles where I'm not even putting my face on the stock, which can get you in some trouble. Um, or because then you're, you're not aiming right or you get too excited. So it's just take your time and try to take that same mentality um, into duck season. Um, so you make sure you kind of have like a almost like a pre-shot routine. Like you go through it, you you shoulder your gun, you put your cheek on the, the stock, you aim down the, the barrel, you get on your bird, you follow it, and then you pull the trigger. So if you can do that every time in your clay pigeons and make that a habit, then when the duck comes, it's going to be second nature. Um, as long as you're not getting too excited, just try to, you know, it's, it's hard, especially early season when you're excited, uh, for ducks coming in. But yeah, if you can work on that in the off season with your clay pigeons, I, I think that's the best, um, kind of bet for preseason tip on that. Yeah, for sure. I, th- I think you're just dead on with that. It's hard to do when you're shooting clays. Cause if you have your gun up before you say pull, you're going to be a lot more accurate because for me personally, shouldering my shotgun is the number one thing that i have to work on um it's the number one problem that i have if i were to have uh if if i could calculate my my stats for my shooting percentage on my second shot on a bird versus my first i guarantee you there is a huge discrepancy i'm way more accurate on my second shot shouldering the shotgun is always something that has caused me issues and i think that's the reason why i've had um, so many shooting problems because most a lot of my shooting problems come out of a layout boat because you got to sit up and shoulder the gun and and so 
if you're going to go out and practice, just like Jordan said, if you really want to get good practice in, do not shoulder that gun until you say pull, because it's that shouldering reaction that is so important. I have a tendency, if I don't shoulder my shotgun properly, I have a tendency to see down on the barrel. So you're supposed to see nothing but the bead. Um, in fact, I'm not even using a bead anymore. Um, we can talk about that in a moment, but um, you're not supposed to see anything on on the top of the barrel through down the, I don't know what's called, that, that top thing, the line, but down the site, you're not supposed to see anything. Yeah, it's just... It's supposed to be flat. Yeah. Everything's supposed to look flush. Yes. And when I don't sh- shoulder properly, I'm looking down on it and I can see part of it. And that's that's my yeah. big problem. That's one of my big problems. Yeah. That's probably why you um, have to use such a, a wide joke, too. <laughs> I don't know. It might be. <laughs> I, I, I suspect that with the gun I have, um, it doesn't fit me properly. And I know that you can adjust that. Um, now the Stoger M3000 doesn't have this. And I'm, I'm just mentioning that cause I did a whole video on Stoger versus, um, a 300 on my freelance stuck on a YouTube channel, but the Stoger doesn't have this ability, but the, um, Beretta a 300, and I can't remember the name of them, uh, how it works. It starts with a C, but you can take apart, um, the stock a little bit and you add these little, um, shims, I think they're called, uh, f- forgive me guys, yep. if I'm wrong with these. and you can adjust the fit, but it's like, I've watched a video on it and it seems really complicated to me, but I'm pretty sure I've got longer arms for for my body. I've got pretty long arms and I'm pretty sure my shotgun doesn't quite fit me right. And and if I could get in there and and adjust that, I think it would make a difference. I'm just not quite sure how to go about doing that. I've watched videos. It just seems hard. Mm -hmm. I know how to adjust them. It's like, I don't, I, I mean, I know how to change the pieces, I don't know how to, you know, like, oh, yeah, that's how I need it. You know, I don't know that. Yeah, I hear you. So um, I guess the the other tip I would have for off-season is um, the other thing I'd say for off-season is when you shoulder the gun, you, you can do kind of drills, um, you know, in your basement or around your house where you look at an object across the room and just shoulder and try to aim on that as quick as you can. Shoulder, get the gun in the right position, aim on it just over and over. And, um, you know, that'll that'll help a lot as far as getting your um, rhythm down uh, for preseason. So I, I think that's kind of – I don't think there's pretty, pretty much anything else I can think of for a uh, preseason tip. You got anything else to add to that before we add – seasonal tips no i would just agree completely with what you just said because i've shot clays and um i have done what the 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 practice that you're talking about and i can tell you one of the big turning points for me if you've watched my youtube channel you know if you've watched all the clear back to season one and season two when i was having so much um shooting problems the main shooting problems I have is out of layout boat. I'll shoot. If I can pop up and stand or even shoot off, off a bench or a seat or something, I shoot really, really well. When I really struggle is out of a layout blind. So um, I got in my basement in my layout blind in my garage. And, you know, several different times, about 50 times, I just practiced popping up and aiming at different things in the room and shouldering it. And that made a huge difference. That made much better difference to me than actually going to a range. And I would also add, if you are going to shoot clays, I use steel. Steel and lead have different velocities. And, I mean, if I'm, if I'm practicing basketball, I'm not going to shoot free throws on an 8-foot goal if I really want to practice. And if you want to really practice for ducks, you're going to shoot steel for clays because it's a, it's a different velocity. 
Yeah. And that'll help with your lead. So, yeah, um, I guess that kind of brings us to let's talk about um, in season tips. And um, one thing I would suggest is um, if you have access to a camera, whether you want to strap a GoPro on there or a shot cam or tactic cam, there's a bunch of different options you can try out. Um, but there's uh, just a, a good way to see where you're missing if you're leading too far or anything like that. Um, you know, go ahead and strap a camera on there and you'll be able to give it a good, uh, a good look at afterwards. You might think you're right on, but in reality, maybe you're leading the bird by twice as far as what you need. Yeah. I cannot wait to be able to do that as well. What with the, uh, um, camera, I, I just can't wait. That's going to be so cool. Cause you can actually see the shot strength. Yeah. So, no, it, it's good to see that. Really, really excited about that. Um, I would say for me in the, in the season, it's all about mentality and your mind game. Um, because we've all had those hunts where, you know, you get a gimme come in, you miss it. And then you get another, maybe a little bit harder shot come in and you miss it. It starts getting in your head. And it's just like, you know, I played baseball in high school and in college and everything. And I was, I was, I, I was a pitcher and everything is so mental with athletics. It's, it's actually unbelievable how mental everything is so with shooting it's the same thing if you get on a bad streak and you and i talked about that jordan last year when you were kind of on a on a bad streak Mm -hmm. Um, and with my boys when they start getting on a bad streak it's all it's all in your head it's about being in your head if you go over your first five over your first six it can really eat you up in your mind and so for me in the season it's all about um the mind game I'm not going to go out and shoot clays during the season. I, I might go and I might do the drill in my garage with the aiming, but it's all about the mental aspect of, of shooting. Yep. Yep. And then, um, you know, another thing I'd say as far as your shooting and, and to kind of prevent going into that streak, or if you start seeing yourself going into a bad shooting streak, is just slow down on your first shot. For me, um, as well, you know, that's probably the shot I miss more than any other shot is my first shot. Mm-hmm. Um, you get too excited. You're standing up, um, just slow down and, you know, make sure you hit your first shot. You're never going to shoot a double if you don't hit your first shot. Well, I mean, you can still shoot a double. You're never going to shoot a triple though, if you don't hit your first shot. So, um, and then even then, you know, um, making sure on that third shot, you're not really reaching for something that's, um, something you're not going to hit anyway. So it's just, uh, for me, I'm going to say just slow down on your shots. Uh, that first shot, especially make your first shot, your, your best shot, not, uh, your, your fastest shot. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and what I learned on my first shot and I found this out in a video from season three, can't remember the name of it, but I, I needed one bird for my limit and came right in and just a gimme bird, just hovering. But I mean, well, I was hovering. It was moving a little bit left, left to right. And I missed on the first shot and killed it on the second. And I watched that clip over and over and over again. And I was like, how did I miss it? How did I miss it? And I watched. And finally, I saw the first shot. I, I, I knocked one tiny little feather off this bird. I mean, it's like one tiny feather. And it came right off its butt. And that's like, okay, my first shot, I'm not leading. I'm, I was behind that bird. And it's my first shot I'm shouldering. And not leading properly. And then I regroup myself. And then the second shot, um, I'm on it where I should be and I kill it. So for me personally, it's like on the first shot, maybe take an extra millisecond and remember my lead. Remember my lead. 
And uh, after that, I started doing a lot better on my first shots after I realized that and started uh, mentally focusing on it. Yeah. Have you ever watched like any any type of like competition hunting? You mean like trap, like clays and stuff? No. So the thing I'm thinking of specifically is they have like the, the bird dog trials for like upland game. And so it's based off of like the hunter and the dog's performance, right? So if you miss a shot, pretty much you can't win. So you'll be amazed if you ever watch it. Can you post that? Time, can you post a video of that in uh, Fellowship of the Duck Guns? I can look for one. Yeah, um, do because I've never seen anything like that. Yeah, so I actually just watched it last year. I can't remember what it's called, but they'll do it with labs like flushers and pointers. Well, anyways, um, especially with the flushers because you have a little bit less time, I think, than the pointers. Um, but, I mean, these guys will stand there for like, it's like two or three seconds, I swear. Um, and they'll aim down on that bird and they make sure they're on it. So it's like you can't miss a shot. And so if you miss a shot, I mean, you can take the same mentality to your duck hunting. You know, on that first shot, just make sure, you know, you're standing there, you're ready, you're aimed on it, and then yeah. you pull the trigger. Yeah. Shouldering the gun and lead. Shouldering the gun and lead. It's it that is makes such a huge difference. Yep. We had a really interesting question in the in the live feed, and for those of you who don't know, we've gone back to doing uh, a YouTube live stream for this, which we did at the beginning, and then we kind of stopped. But um, this is actually a, a very interesting question. Derek says, "Do you have problems going from teal to big ducks? I seem to smash the teal, then support, uh, then something seems to happen during that break, and I can't seem to hit anything for a couple of weeks." Do you have any thoughts on that, Jordan? Um. The only thing I can think of is there's, I think a lot of people take passing shots until even if they're like coming into your decoys, a lot of times they swing through your decoys super fast, almost like a diver. Um, and so I don't know if, if you're getting your lead off a little bit or something along those lines, whereas with a big duck, they coast in kind of slow, flap, flap their wings, float there, and then you pop them. It's just till it's a lot quicker of a game Yeah, for the most part. Yeah, and I would be curious to ask uh, Derek what kind of teal shots that he gets because for me, the last several years, we have had such successful teal hunts that the shots we're getting on teal are just gimme, gimme. I mean, as easy as shots as you, as you could think of getting. And I know last year I shot um, over 70% during teal season, and that was like um, six hunts limited out on every single hunt. So I shot like 30, 35 teal. I don't remember it was six or seven hunts, but or five to seven, somewhere there, but limited out every single hunt. But the shots that we were getting were so easy that I came out of there 70%. And so when we went to big duck, the shots actually were a little bit harder um, because just the amount of ducks that we were actually teal, we were landing and everything. So I think it could be either direction. It could be that you're, you're shooting past shots and you're getting used to a certain lead. Um, and then in big ducks, they're a little slower and you're maybe leading too much, or it could be the complete opposite. Like it was for us that the teal shots you're getting are so ridiculously easy that you've got nowhere to go, but down. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's another thing. I mean, till when they're finishing in, you can get them a little closer. Uh, they seem to be a lot less wary than mallards. If mallards are flaring right there at 25 yards and then you're getting shots at like, uh, you know, 30 and 35. Yeah. That's going to be way more difficult than a till at you know 15 20 yards just sitting right into the decoys so yeah there is a couple different ways <laughs> where the teal could be uh difficult for you yeah that's a good point i i typically shoot better for teal than i do anything else myself awesome 
So you got uh, another tip you want to add in there? Man, I think I think that's pretty much that pretty much does it. So to summarize, shoot in the off season, um, shoot with steel, um, shoot from the hip. Not when you say pull. Don't have the gun raised. Um, get your gun and just practice shouldering it as much as you can. Um, practice on your your mind game with it without getting discouraged. Um, I, that's that's pretty much all I got. Yeah, the only other thing I can think of is uh, if you got a option for pigeons, that was kind of my summer plan because uh, I have a bad thing about having bad shooting come into season um, just because you haven't done it all year, and clays don't always do the trick, like you said. Um, a lot of it is mental. Probably all of it is mental. Um, I just get too I just get too excited, I'm not going to lie. It's just I, I'm so excited that it all goes out the window. Um, so trying the pigeons, if you got a, you know, a farm you can go to you can shoot some pigeons before season uh or through the season just periodically to keep you in the swing because right now when i go out and shoot pigeons i'm smashing them so if i can bring that into duck season i'm not going to have the the early season um difficulties that i've had in the past i would also say if you're not shooting well during season think about what is the scenario like are you standing when you're shooting are you having problems when you're sitting down or like for me i was having problems in a layout boat so off season when I shot clays, we had a, a little spring thrower that my dad had. We actually got our layout boats out and shot clays out of the layout blind. And I sucked on that day. I did not shoot well. We were doing crossing shots. So try to pay attention to um, what type of shooting you're struggling with and replicate that off season too. Yeah, for sure. So, well, I think that uh, pretty much wraps it up then. Um, thanks again, guys. If you have any topics you'd like us to hit up, um, be sure to drop them over to us. You can send them to either me or Elliot, Instagram, Facebook. Um, email them to me as well, duckgunchronicles at gmail.com. Any of those. Um, we love covering topics that you guys um, send to us. So, you know, we have a lot of really interesting guests lined up but when we have uh, a chance to get on kind of just a, a tips and trick trip <laughs> wow a tips and trick episode then then we'll uh, go ahead and and uh pull the trigger on those so all right you got anything else to add elliot before we sign off here yeah just make sure you bring the conversation over to fellowship of the duck guns like i said the uh, facebook group is blowing up and it's a great place just to discuss and talk so please come join us over there and please check out our youtube channels if you haven't i think that if you tie in our youtube videos with the podcast it's just perfect because we talk a lot about them then you can go and watch them and see them yeah perfect combination so all right fellas that's all we got for this week i am jordan from duck gun chronicles elliot from freelance duck <laughs> you always screw that up so many times you screw up Greybeard a bunch and you screw up i want you okay so tie back into the podcast you need to go to the bathroom and say elliot from freelance duck hunting 50 times <laughs>